Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. This is God with us. We've been in this series, God with us. This is God with us part three. And so we're going to read a lot of scripture today. And we'll go to Isaiah chapter seven. It's the prophetic uh, sayings of Isaiah as he declares and prophesies about a savior that would be born. Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. If you've been around a part of this series, then you know Emmanuel means God with us. Or the Hebrew definition really is with us is God. I want you to know this. Wherever you go, God is. God's with you. God's with you on your commute. God's with you in your home. God's with you here in church. God's with you when you're alone. God's with you, with you when you're in a crowd. He is Emmanuel, God with us. What was prophesied by Isaiah is actualized or comes to reality in the book of Matthew and really all throughout the Gospels, but we'll read in Matthew together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All the spiritual people are like, "Uh uh-huh, that's right. All of us normal people are like, say what? I don't know about you, but like, if if Jamie like comes to me and is like, hey, just so you know, like number three is coming, and it was the Holy Spirit. I, I, I think I have enough faith no, I don't. I'll just be honest with you. I don't have enough faith. We're getting tested. I got to make sure it's the Holy Ghost. She found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, I'm just pause for a second. It wasn't like that. Later that day, Joseph found, it's like he had some time here where he's got to like, She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's like, how do you compete with that, by the way? You know, okay, that's a bad joke. Um, that's too much. It's youth, youth ministry days. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is confirmation from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. They're going to name him Jesus which means God saves, delivers, rescues, because he will save their people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will name him Jesus, but they will call him Emmanuel. They will give him the name Jesus, which means God saves, but he will be known for, or he will be called Emmanuel, because he will be the direct representation of God with us. This is awesome. When you really think about this, this is incredible that God so loved us that he had to get with us. He wasn't content to be distant. He wasn't content to be afar off. He said, I need need to get close to them. I need to be in relationship with them. And so I'm not just going to save them. I'm not just going to rescue them, be their hero. I want to be with them. I'm going to be Emmanuel, God with them. 
This last week, we were uh, flying back from California. We got to see Uncle Mark and Ocean's Church. It's 13 weeks old. They're doing great. And uh, it was awesome to see all these new people. People have gotten saved already since they began. And uh, if you don't know, we helped plant Ocean's Church. And, and uh, we were uh, financially, we were their biggest uh, donations uh, to their church to help launch that church. And we've been supporting them monthly. And uh, God's just doing a great work. And we were there checking it out. And we were doing a, uh, doing a wedding there, brought the family. And so we're flying back from California, and uh, we look at our tickets, and we realize that Genesis, my youngest son, he's three, Genesis did not have the same seats as us. So we are all up towards the front of the plane. I fly a lot, and uh, so if you fly a lot and you have status with the airline, usually they seat you up towards the front. And so we usually sit up there, and we're all together as a family. But Genesis is back in 31F. And so I go to the lady, I'm like, hey, you know, um, I think there's, you know, some, uh, some miscommunication. My son, he's in 31F, he should be up with us, with the, with the family. And uh, she's like, well, how old is he? I'm like, well, he's three. <laughs> she's like, oh, well, there's no seats available. And I'm like, well, what do you suppose I do with my three-year-old son, like, I mean, it sounds nice for him to be back there and us up here, but, like, I probably should be with him. Kind of feel bad for the person sitting next to him. Like, where's your family? Up there? I mean, so, like, we got to do something. She's like, I'm sorry, sir. I don't know what to do. Like, you're up there. there he's back there. Like, there's, there's no other seats available. And I'm like, well, he can't sit by himself. So, like, what, what, how, how do we work this out? And she's like, the only way, thing we can do is there's one seat on the other side of the row in 31, row 31, and you could ask a couple people to switch so you guys can sit by each other. If you know me, I don't like asking people to switch seats, all right? I just like, I like to go to my seat, I like my space, I like my ticket, I don't be, like to be like, you three over here, you two go back there, and I'll, I don't like that. So I had a decision to make because everybody that was a part of the reservation with my name on it was sitting in one section, and then he was a part of a different reservation in another section. The confusion, this is funny, the confusion was when I asked her about it, I said, you know, my son Genesis, he's three. And she's like, Mr. Genesis is three? I'm like, Mr. Genesis? Like, that's how he'd like to have it. That's exact. She's, Genesis is probably like, that's the only person in the world that got a right. You call me Mr. Genesis. So somehow he got put in as an adult. He's not. He's three. And so we were separated. So she's like, well, this is what you can do because Jamie and Jude were already separated as well. She's like, you can just go back there and ask people to switch. And, and uh, so I, I said, all right, I, we will. And uh, so go back to 31, back there, back by the bathroom and, and uh, asking people to switch. And so I gave up my seat, gave up my reservation, gave up my status because I had to be with him. Can I just tell you something about Emmanuel? It's, it's in this grossly minimized example, God Almighty said, oh no, you're not part of the reservation. You're not, you're not with me. You're not part of our grouping. And they, the only way that he could be with us was not for us to come to him. They said the only way for him to be with us is for him to come to us. Did you know that Christianity is the only world religion where God comes to us? Every other religion is us trying to get to God, us trying to attain nirvana, us trying to attain peace, righteousness, goodness. Christianity is the only religion that God comes to us. 
He says, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do away with my status. I'm going to do away with my reservation. I'm going to do away with my C because I have to be with them. Philippians says it like this. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He made himself a servant so that he could come and restore relationship for you and I with him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, that name, it means God saves, which we talked about. This is incredible that he saves. Emmanuel, God with us. Not only does he save us, but he walks this journey out with us. He walks this life through with us. Whatever you go through in your life, you're going through with him. He's with you. Throughout Jesus' life, he, he, showed himself, uh, he, he showed himself to be this over and over, to be Emmanuel. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 8 because Matthew chapter 8 is a story that I believe gives us a good picture of really what Emmanuel is. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has called his disciples and uh, they are in the boat and uh, Jesus is asleep and they are in a storm of their life. Let, let me read it to you, Mark, Matthew chapter 1. Or actually, chapter 8, verse 23, it says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Now, I want you to take note of this. Jesus got in the boat, and they followed him. So this is Jesus' fault. <laughs> Whatever happens next, they got by following him. This was their boat. This was their expertise. This was their knowledge. This was their skill set. And Jesus is like, let's go, guys. We're going on a boat. I'm on a boat. <laughs> Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat in the ocean. When waves sweep over the boat, that's it's not a great sign. <laughs> but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Now, this is this is a situation. Because this storm, it says, came out of nowhere. Have you ever felt like a storm in your life came out of nowhere? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, it, storms in life don't come gradually. It's not like you look at the forecast of your life and it's like, okay, Thursday's going to be wild. You know, it's like we got some major thunderstorms coming in. It is like you wake up and you don't know. Could be a good day, could be a bad day. Could be good news, could be bad news. And when storms come, they usually come in bunches. It just all comes at once. This is what happened is that they're just on a cruise. Jump on the boat. We're going with Jesus. You know, th 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 this, is, this is so interesting and I think so confusing because if, you, if we really are honest, if we were going on a boat with Jesus, we would expect some smooth sailing. Isn't that the truth? It's like, man, this guy, like, you know, he's raising dead people and stuff. He claims to be the Messiah. His name means God saves. <laughs> like, this dude's real, real deal. He wants to go on a boat, I'm in. And then you follow him on the boat, and it leads you to the biggest storm of your life. Let me ask you this question. Has following God ever led you to a storm? Has, has saying yes to, see, we don't think it would be like this. We, we think like, if I follow God, it's smooth sailing for the rest of my life. I just jumped on a princess cruise ship, and we're off to the races. It is not that. Saying yes to Jesus is like getting in a kayak in the middle of the ocean and saying, let's, let's do this. Let's see what happens. I'm for real. 
following God will get you some of the greatest storms of your life. So what happens when the greatest hurt, greatest pain, greatest difficulty, and greatest storms happen as a result of you saying yes to follow Jesus? That is the dilemma that the disciples find themselves in. It is not a storm that they walked into because of their selfish ambition, because of their temptation, because of their selfish desires. It was a storm that they were confronted with because they followed Jesus. That's really the complexity of Christianity. is because we think if we would said yes, said yes to follow the Prince of Peace, that everything that follows would be peace. If we said yes to be with him, that everything should be good, that we should get every promotion, that we should keep every job, that our marriage should be amazing, that our kids should be angels. We, we just think like that should be how it is. It's not the case. But sometimes following Jesus will get you some of the greatest storms of your life. And the lesson is that following Jesus does not keep me from storms, but following Jesus ensures that he's with me in the storms. Because the lesson is not the avoidance of trouble. The lesson is the presence of God in the midst of trouble. This is what Jesus is trying to teach them. I would read a commentary this week that said that, that the storm was for their sake. Wow. God caused the storm? No. I want to clarify something. God did not cause the storm. He probably knew the storm was going to happen. And he did lead them into the storm. He just didn't cause it. See, God will lead you at times through difficult situations, but difficult situations that he did not cause. But he will take you through things to teach you and through things to develop you and through things to ensure your dependence on him and your faith in him. My Bible says I can do all things through Christ. If you don't, need, if you don't know you need him, you will never depend on him. Storms reveal our need, but God's not throwing trouble at you to hurt you, but God will lead you through trouble to prove himself to you. There's, there's a couple things that I was thinking about. Like, why, why is Jesus on the boat? If he's going to sleep, why is he there? I just think that's like a valid question to ask. Maybe it's like too, not, too unspiritual to actually say from up here. But like, I'm just like, Jesus, if you're going to be there, why are they in the storm and why are you asleep? You ever felt like God's sleeping on you? Like when you need him most? Like, like you're really in some trouble and it just seems like he's asleep. That's what the disciples are encountering. They're like waves are going over the boat. They're like, yeah. And Jesus just curled up, just, I mean, just out. I mean, he's just gone. I, sometimes I go in and look at my kids when they're sleeping, and it's like, like peaceful little angels. I mean, you ever seen that? Like just those angel faces. And I'm like, how does that turn to, you know, like just, just in a minute. I'm like, I want to see them when they're sleeping. When they're sleeping, it's just obviously just like, that's how Jesus was. He's probably just like angel face, just laying there. And Peter's like, Really? You're going to get on my boat. You're not going to check the weather app one time. You're going to lead me into the storm of my life. I've been sailing all my life, and I'm going to go down like this? <laughs> Jesus sleeping. Why is he there? Why is he on this boat? Let me give you a couple things. He's there for a reason. You, you ever ask like, your parents, like, why? And they say, because. It's the worst response ever. I've used it because <laughs> it works, but it's wrong. Why is Jesus on the boat? For a reason. But what is it? He, he's there for a reason. He's there for a reason. 
Why is God with you? He's there for a reason. He's not there for the ride. Guys, this would be fun. He's not for the ride. He's there for a reason. The reason you're in the walk of life that you're in and the reason that he's with you in that walk of life is because there is a reason. God sent Jesus on purpose for a purpose. There is a reason he was there. He came so that we could be together. Jesus came. He was born so that he could die. He came on assignment. He came for a specific reason. It's like, man, Jesus, if you're going to sleep, why are you even here? He's there for a reason, so just chill. He's on the boat for a reason. He came for a reason. Secondly, he came to help. He, he, came, he came to help. He's not there to bring you into pain. He's not there to bring you into a storm. He's not there to make your life difficult. He's actually there to help you. It, it sounds better when you preach it than it does when you look at it. Because when you look at it, it's like, for, for instance, like if, if, we were, if we were really working on a project all together, and you were curled up in the corner taking a nap. I said, guys, I'm here to help. You signed up in the back for Christmas Eve help. Like you're over there at the PAC and you're just like sprawled out, like sleeping. It's like, you, you came to help? Is this what help is like where you're from? Like, get up. That's what Peter's thinking in his mind. It's like, come on, Jesus, for real? Like, but he's there to help. There is, a super, there is supernatural providence from God that made sure Jesus was on that boat in that storm. So he was there to help. So it's, it's hard to see God's help when he doesn't help the way we want him to help, isn't it? It's, it's hard to know that God's helping when it looks like he's asleep. It's hard to know that he's intervening when it looks like he's sleeping. It's hard to know the miracle's coming when it looks like he's asleep. It's hard to know deliverance is coming when it feels, it looks, it sounds like Jesus is sleeping. And this is what's happening, but God sent Jesus to help. He came to help us through the storms of life. Not to avoid the storms of life, but to help us through. He came to help us through. Thirdly, he's here to stay. I got good news for somebody. You've already disqualified yourself from the help of God because of your last season or your first 10 years or your last five years because you thought, well, God gave me a chance, but I didn't make it. God gave me a chance and I didn't do well. I tried ministry and I failed. I tried to follow him and I didn't do well. I am a disgrace. I'm disqualified. I'm going to tell you this. Jesus didn't come for a visit. Jesus came to stay. Jesus is not going to leave when the water gets high or the wind gets rough. He is not going to bail on you. His promise is that I will never leave you or forsake you. And we say, how? That's an Old Testament scripture. That Old Testament scripture becomes reality in Emmanuel, God with us. He is on your boat, sir, for a reason. He is on your boat, ma'am, for a reason. He is there to help you, and he is there to stay. He is not going to bail when it gets tough. He is not going to bail when things don't look good. He's with you in the, in the good times and in the bad. He is going to be with you through thick and thin. He's with you. And he's there to stay. He's there to stay. Have you ever felt like you might mess up something in your life and then God's like not going to be there for you? Only me. That's cool. Um, <laughs> like, like, man, I should have done this or I should have done that. No, he's there to stay. 
You know, the, 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 the disciples, when they woke Jesus, which I think is funny because can you just picture this? Like, they're like, so how much water should we allow in the boat before we wake him? I bet Peter is like, like just like splashing him. You know, like, just hopefully he wakes up on his own and realizes we're about to drown. Like, this was your cruise. At, at, at some point, they finally, they wake him. I don't know how it worked out, but Peter probably is the guy, you know. And he's like, yo, Jesus, hey, the wave's gotten pretty high over the boat. We're going to die. And Jesus, you know, he like rubs sleep out of his eyes, yawns. He's like, why are you guys so afraid? That's what the text actually says. Why are you so afraid? Well, <laughs> uh... We're drowning, you know? I mean, it's like, it's not, it's not rocket science, Jesus. There's a reason why we're afraid. But you know why it was so foreign to Jesus? Why they would be so afraid? Because he was there. There is no way that that boat was going to sink if he was on it. The, the, right? I mean, he wakes up like, guys, I already know about the next assignment that's on the other side of this lake. If we drown, we're not going to get to the next assignment. So, like, why are you all freaking out? Like, we're going to get there. And Peter's like, that's what I told them. I just, like, thought you should calm them down. Like, these guys, these fools are crazy. John, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. You know what John chapter 1 says? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus, John chapter 1 verse 14, it says that the Word took on flesh, became Jesus. And Jesus moved into, can I just change it just for us? Moved into your boat. He moved into your boat. Not like observing, like, man, that storm is crazy. Man, how y'all do, man, oh, big wave, big wave. That's, no. He said, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into your neighborhood. I'm going to get into your business. I'm going to get into your situation. I'm in it with you. I'm encountering it with you. I can feel the swells. I can sense the rain. I can feel the wind. I'm in it with you. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are so that he would know. He says that we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness because he was tested just as we are. So he was man enough that he could be tempted, but he was God enough that he could save us. He was man enough that he would feel what we felt, but he's God enough that he could save our souls. That was humanity and divinity wrapped into one. The word became flesh. Isaiah chapter 7, it says that for unto, I think it's chapter 9, for unto us a son is given. This is Christmas scripture. For unto us a child is born. I want to see this. A son was given because Jesus existed before he was born. Got it? A son is given. God gave his son. Jesus existed before he was born. A child is born. Jesus was born. Emmanuel. God with us. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Christmas really is about Jesus getting into the boat of our lives. 
That's what it is. It's about getting into the neighborhood. It's about getting into our everyday lives. It's walking with us and being with us. Christmas brought attributes of God that were promised in the Old Testament into our reality in the New Testament. Christmas, it brought every promise of the Old Testament into reality in the New. How? Through Jesus. Through Emmanuel. I don't know why I've been having all these flight examples lately. Maybe it's because I've been flying a lot, but I got all these examples lately. I, I was actually on a flight uh, when I was like 17. It's one of the craziest flights I've ever been on. I was flying to Costa Rica, and uh, we were doing a mission trip there. And, uh, and, and, and we hit one of the great, like, the wildest storms I've ever encountered on a plane. Literally, we are just dropping. I mean, it, it is turbulence. My, my, the, my uh, water is coming out of my water glass. Like, we're dropping so fast. I can see it, like, come out. I'm looking out of the window, and you can see lightning strike the ground and start fires. I'm like, okay, this is it. And it was not a bad way to go. Right, like, 17-year-old kid leaves Washington State to go on a mission trip to Costa Rica, leaves everything, and, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like, I, I, if I go, I want to go, like, something awesome, you know? Like, I want to be a martyr. I want to, I don't want to, like, die in my sleep, you know, or, like, fell off the ladder taking Christmas. It's like, none of those. If I go, I want to go, like, I want to go with a bang. And if you hear about it, we're going to just like, we're gonna, it's going to be a good story. If it was a bad one, I, I'm asking my wife, please make it a good story, all right? <laughs> and so we're on this flight, and I, I'm like pretty nervous. I hadn't flown that much at that time. And, and it's, I'm, I'm getting like, oh, this, this, oh, this could be, the, Lord, I, please forgive me for, you know, because you start recounting some of the, the you just want to make sure you're right. And, and, I, and I look at the flight attendants, and, and they're like talking like, so uh, where are you staying in Costa Rica? And I'm like, Y'all can see what's happening, right? Like, this is crazy. You were about to die. They're like, what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm like, is there a tomorrow? I don't even know. Are we living? I mean, they're, ta- they're just, they're chill like nothing's happening. You know what I found out? They got more experience flying than I do. And if they're not freaking out, then I shouldn't be freaking out. Kind of reminds me of the story. Because it says Jesus was asleep. Can I just tell you this? If Jesus is asleep, it's actually good news. It's good news. I'm in the storm of my life. It feels like Jesus is asleep. That's great news. If he woke up and was worried, you should be worried. But if he's asleep, that means he already knows what's about to happen. And he knows that it's just a matter of endurance. It's a matter of perseverance. And you're going to get to the other side. That God sees you. That God knows your path. He knows what he's about to do in you and through you. And so when he woke up, he's like, why are y'all freaking out? It's a storm. Can I just say this to you? Whatever you're going through, it's a storm. Well, it doesn't feel like Jesus is in my boat. Jesus will get in your boat if you ask him to get in your boat. If you've asked him into your life, he's also in your boat. If you've asked him into your heart, he's also in your situation. And he's not threatened by it. He is not freaking out about it. I'm telling you, Jesus is sleeping. And some of us are like, our nation is going to hell. Jesus is asleep. Which means he knows. He's not bailing. He's not like freaking out, and if he's not freaking out, I shouldn't be freaking out. I heard a pastor say one time, he's talking about flight attendants, and he said, uh, he said uh, I've just found that when I'm flying, I'll just watch the flight attendants. 
Anytime we hit turbulence, I just watch them. If they get nervous, then I'll be nervous. But as, as long as they're cool, I'm, I'm going to be cool. Because they've been through this, and they know. Can I tell you this? When it feels like Jesus is sleeping, the most important part of your journey and storm is not that Jesus is awake or asleep. It's that he's with you. Do you think the boat's going to go down with Jesus on it? No, just make sure he's on your boat. And you know what Paul said? He said, even if I do go down, it is better. It is better me. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He says, I got Jesus on my boat, whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead, I'm better off. I would rather be with him and go through a storm than be all by myself because his presence, friend, is everything. Him, his presence is everything. If I have him, I'm okay. Peace is not still waters. Peace is the prince of peace. It's a person. His name is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. I found this to be true. I wrote this years ago that Jesus can sleep in storms. He has power over. He can sleep in storms. If he's asleep, you're good. I read this from a commentary this week. It says, Jesus, Emmanuel. The fullness of God made skin and bones. A little baby carrying the weight of our broken world on his shoulders. Here among us as one of us. God with us, drawn close. Our mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, the prince of peace. Letting go of heaven, emptying himself and being found in our likeness. A baby to share our perspective, our suffering, our pain. Earning our trust by being one of us, proving his mercy. For our guilt needed a sacrifice, but perhaps our shame needed a friend. A friend to meet us in the mud of our own brokenness to take our hand and to lead us out. So God came to us in that baby as if he were saying and committing to humanity, to us, I'm in this with you. Emmanuel, Jesus. Friends, that's it. Is that the he, God, sent Jesus to not look at our storm but to literally get in to our storm. Jesus was, not, Jesus was not removed from the storm. He was in it with them. Can I just tell you the greatest struggle of your life right now, he's in it with you? That he hasn't left you alone to just struggle through it? He's actually in it with you. As small as it is, or as large as it is, he's with you. That's his name. Everything that's promised in the Old Testament is made true in this name, Emmanuel. Psalm 91 is one of the greatest psalms written about protection and God's protection over us. And I want to read it to you because this psalm, some people say it was Old Testament, that psalm is made reality in Emmanuel. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, 
The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Every promise of Psalm 91 comes to fruition in Emmanuel. Everything that was prophesied, everything that was promised, we now experience because God said, I don't want it to be here I don't want it to be a visitation. I want it to be a habitation. I don't want it just to be a one-stop shop. I don't want it to be a flash in the pan. I want to come and be with you. I am putting on, that's it. I'm putting on flesh. That's it, I'm not waiting any long. I'm putting on flesh. I'm coming down with you. I'm getting down with you. I'm in your neighborhood. I'm in your storm. I'm in your stuff. I'm in your difficulty because I want to be with you. I promise to never leave you and I promise to never forsake you. God said, I got to get with you. You're not going to have to walk through it alone. You're not going to have to walk through it all by yourself. I am getting into your business. I am coming in to your neighborhood. I am coming in to your situation. That's God's promise. That's Emmanuel. That's Christmas, friend. God with us. What do you need? What do you need from God? Provision? Yeah. That's in Emmanuel. Protection? That's it. It's in Emmanuel. Healing, perfect. It's in Emmanuel. Everything you could need. I'm going to talk about this on Christmas Eve. All the names of God, they're incredible. They're incredible. All the different names of God, all throughout the Old Testament. Hebrews name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. All of these names, peace and provision, sufficiency. All of these things in his name. All of those names are wrapped up in Emmanuel. What do you need? What do you need? Well, I don't know if you understand my battle, Pastor. No, no, I don't. But not only does he understand it, he's in with it. He's right in there with it. He, he's right in that, he's right in that situation. People say, I don't know if he is what I need him to be. This is this is kind of a cool thing. One of the names of God is I am. It's for all you skeptics. Well, I don't know. I need him to be. I, I am. Well, can he? Yeah, I can. I don't know if he's. I am. What do you need? He is. I don't know how you celebrate Christmas or how you traditions you have in your family, but I would encourage you to get by yourself at some point and just thank God for sending Jesus. To not be something we celebrate and something we do in a religious motion, but to be a person who's with us. Whether you feel lonely, whether you're going through the biggest storm of your life, 
whether you feel like God's asleep in the middle of your difficulty, I want you to know He's with you and He's not leaving. He's here for a reason. He's here to help. And He's here to stay. That is Emmanuel. God with us. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.